Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth, and you know, we didn't didn't get the outcome we were hoping for uh, Thursday. Uh, we'll get into that a little bit later, but uh, it, it, it was it was a classic. There were some positives, there were some negatives, but um, you know, overall, another uh, another losing effort in the season opener. Uh, again, we'll get more into that as the podcast goes on, but as usual here, we start off with other UCO news. Uh, volleyball finished the Eckert, the Eckert Invitational in Florida 2-1, um, falling to host Eckert on Saturday. Their first home game will be this Wednesday at OBU in Hamilton Fieldhouse at 7 o'clock p.m. So why come out there and watch head coach Edgar Mericou and his volleyball team. Uh, Cross Country placed sixth in the UCO uh, Invitational led by junior newcomer Harley Hansen, who finished ninth. Uh, Golf is about to open up. Uh, Women's golf opens the season uh, Monday and Tuesday uh, in the Texas Invitational in Glen Rose, Texas. And men's open also open on Monday and Tuesday in the Ryan Palmer Invitational in Amarillo, Texas. Uh, Baseball. The other day, I saw this on the UCO Baseball Instagram account. Baseball recognized as statistical champion after leading all levels, that means the D1, D2, D3, NAIA, in fielding with a 0.985 percentage. So shout out there to the baseball team again. Kind of one of the underrated sports I feel like on campus here. Baseball turning out players and now statistical champions. So shout out to, to them. 
and finally here the soccer team fell in a tough 3-3 draw against 17th ranked Dallas Baptist on Thursday. They um <clears throat> they will now prepare for the second match uh, as your ninth ranked as your ninth ranked UCO Broncos will host Southern Nazar uh, Southern Nazarene Monday evening uh, seven o'clock at Tom Thompson Field. So hopefully the women's team can get back on track. I know I had a conversation with Chris Brennan about that game. And he informed me how how hot it was, and that it was uh, that the first half was I think a zero zero tie, and then the second half they kind of just just turned it on and they went to overtime, and just nothing happened. So uh, hopefully the, the soccer team can get it back on track as they play again. Southern Naz Southern Naz Southern Nazarene, I cannot say that today. Southern Nazarene Monday at seven, Tom Thompson Field. So now getting into the meat and potatoes of this podcast, this is <clears throat> UCL football. And as I mentioned foreshadowed, doing some foreshadowing here beforehand. Uh, you know, it was a tale of two halves. I, I, I asked you to recall the thrilling heart of uh, Texas Heart of Chance Bowl against Angelo State where you still have had that ferocious 28-3 comeback in the fourth quarter. It pretty much was the same um, because, and I will get into grave detail here momentarily, but because at the half, UCL finally settles down 34-7. It was not what anybody expected. Um, to say that it was uh, there was a shock would be a tremendous understatement. Uh, but uh, again, it is showing the character of the team here, uh, as always, because Yusho does not quit. They came roaring back, uh, would take a late lead when the Force Name would lose on a game on the field goal as time expired. Now, my thinking here. Um, well, what the mess happened. So this is what happened. So we're going to start off with the very first play of the game. Uh, Pitt State wide receiver and law native Lorenzo West uh, ran the opening kickoff back 100 yards. And that was obviously disheartening. But, you know, uh, it, it, it kind of was what it was at, at, that, at that point. Uh, at, that, at that point. But in time. But... You know, uh, the, the offense, the highly anticipated offense that we talked about in depth that uh, has numerous playmakers was going to take 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 the field. And they did respond to their credit. Uh, a seven-play, 78-yard touchdown drive ended with a five-yard run from quarterback Will Collins. So at that point, it was 7-7. And I'm thinking we're in for a good one. <clears throat> then to at least everybody in the press box's surprise. Uh, Pitt State comes out in a quasi-flexbone veer-esque offense. Like the best way to describe it is uh, it, it was essentially a flexbone but with a fullback and one running back. It, it was definitely weird. And they went they went to um, Sophomore Brandon, and I hope I'm saying this man's name right here, Brandon Malikas. 
194 sophomore. I believe he was second or third string on the depth chart. And there was another thing too, because on the depth chart, uh, they had listed your typical spread uh, personnel. So when they came out in that, we were all surprised. But nevertheless, they then proceeded to go on a 10 play 60 yard drive that took up five and a half minutes and built it in a 47 yard field goal. So at the end of one, it was still a close game, uh, 10, to, 10 to seven. Now, there were some concerns because again, triple option is hard to stop and they seem to be running it to near perfection. Now, uh, you know, so we knew we were going to be in for a battle. Uh, then at the start of the second quarter, pretty much about, I don't know, roughly um, two minutes in, uh, Pitt State scored on a one yard touchdown run uh, on a nine play, 55 yard drive, took up another five and a half minutes. Uh, so at that point, Pitt State had 17 points in zero pass attempts. So at that point, uh, we were really concerned because it, it didn't seem like Pitt would have to pass the ball. Now again, you're familiar with triple options or just option attack in general. You like to ground it out, you know, your, your three, four yards of yards carry. That's basically exactly what Pittsburgh State did. And again, I have to give it credit because that, that was has to be Outside of watching Army uh, against Michigan, that is the most flawless option offense I have seen in quite some time. Uh, so I have to give them credit on that. Uh, then on the ensuing drive, Will Collins throws a pick intended for Josh Moore. Now to me, he had Dustin Boston open, uh, but he, he threw it to Josh Moore. And the cornerback made a great play, picked it off. Then, then on the on the very on the very next play, this is when Pitt State throws everybody curveball. And at that point, me, uh, the man James Jackson, uh, we were we were kind of stunned when they trotted out their third string quarterback freshman Max Sexty, and they went to the shotgun. So at this point, we had not yet seen their listed starter, which is Matt Harmon from Cashin, by the way. We had not seen him. We had seen the, the second and third string. Uh, and, and when let me tell you, when they went shotgun, we were kind of concerned here because we, we were like, wait a minute now. So they, they can go, they can go quasi flex bone triple option, and go shotgun spread. I, I don't know how you're supposed to defend that, um, especially if going in, you were preparing for one, and then they come out and run both. So. In any case, they ended up scoring on that drive on another one-yard touchdown run. It's 24-7. Uh, on the next drive, UCO had a decent drive going. They, it was for the fourth and short. Uh, they threw a pass to Juco transfer TJ Roberts, the highly regarded Juco transfer. Um, on a wheel route, I must say the wheel route with TJ Roberts in shades of Joe Mixon with OU on the uh, wheel routes because every time he was he was open. Now, unfortunately, on this one, the pass was too, what Collins had to step up, had to step up in, in the pocket, had to try to float it while being chased, had too much on it. It was too far in front of, uh, in front of TJ who tried to reel it in. 
but couldn't. Um, so they have turned the ball over on downs on the ensuing possession. Uh, Lorenzo, Lorenzo West in this game just became, just became a huge thorn in the Broncos' side. I mean, they have a third and 15. This man, the most, one of the best catches of the early part of the season here. Colby Underwood uh, blanketed him. Uh, they threw it up to him. He done I mean, this a beautiful diving catch. He, he couldn't have defended it any much better than Colby did. Um, resulted in a huge game for them, which then set up a 26-yard touch. So six-yard six touchdown run from from former Union product Tyler Atkins. Uh, and then UCL proceeded to go three and out, and then Pitt State had another drive to end the half. And UCO did was able to make a goal line stand, fourth and field goal, and ended the half down 34 to seven. Um, so at that point, you know, I'm going to say it was looking it, it, it was looking bleak, but at the same time, I didn't feel as if the game was over. It was kind of one of those where I, I felt like in a way, in a way that we were still in this game. I have mentioned, if you go back to the very first episode well, um, of the podcast when I talked about Chad Stallard and I mentioned how with Chad Stallard, I never felt that UCO was ever out of a game. I felt that way at that moment about Will Collins. Just what I saw of Will Collins, uh, in the second half of last season, when I saw him that ball game, I really felt like if, if they come out in the second half, get a touchdown, I think there is a chance. Now, I said we need to get the touchdown early, but I felt that if we could just get, we could just get off of seven, there was a legitimate chance that we could win the game. Now, we got the ball, we got the ball to start the second half. Unfortunately, um, Penn State, uh, Pitt State had two sacks on the opening drive, um, and so it forced it forced a punt. Now, at that point here, this is when the defense, and I have to give Russ Pickett here, I have to give the defense player a lot of credit because this is where, to me, they showed extreme fight, they showed extreme toughness, and they showed extreme character here. Um, they forced the fumble. They forced the fumble. Uh, we were uh, we're not sure who forced the fumble, but it, it was recovered by redshirt freshman linebacker Christian Malloy. Now, fortunately, uh, we had to punt the ball on the second on that drive as well. But at that point, we knew the defense w w was was going to play, and they did. Um, <clears throat> it was, which was tragic because that drive, as a matter of fact, was another was a, was a great drive. I got I got a fourth and one. Now to me, it to me it was an awful blown call. Uh, Pitt State had too many men on the field on the fourth and one. Uh, UCO realizing it, Chandler Garrett hiked the ball quickly. Uh, he did not get the one yard. We all thought that there should have been a, uh, a flag, and there was no flag. I don't know how there was no flag because anybody who was there could tell you Pitt State had, had no less than 13 men on that field and they were trying to run on and off and, and there was no call. 
So there was a turn around downs that really still irks me because that that to me was a huge moment in the overall game that it should have been called that could have resulted in a first down to me that halted momentum that the offense definitely needed up to that point. Uh, but in any case, they got they got they got stopped. Uh, but the defense again came through, forced the first punt at the 547 mark of the third third quarter. That's when the offense got into gear. Will Collins, a beautiful, beautiful throw on the run, 30 yard touchdown pass to Josh Moore in the corner of the end zone over two uh two Pitt State defenders. It was it was beautiful. I mean it was it was top of I mean it was exquisite. Talking about the man here throwing it on the run, placing it over the top of two defenders into a very tight window. It was obviously a throw that proves why Will Collins is is highly regarded as Will Collins is. Um, so at that point, we have a 34-14 game. Now we are still in the third quarter. There was 2.53 left in the in the third. So entering entering the fourth, it was a 20-point game. At that point, you still felt there was a chance. You felt that the offense was finally off of seven. The defense get the ball back while the offense had momentum. There was a shot. And that is exactly what happened. <clears throat> because on the next drive, the defense forced another three and out. Um uh and Excuse me here for a second. Yeah, they, they forced another three and out. Um, but uh, the Broncos offense, unfortunately, once again stalled. Now, this is where the defense again came up clutch. They had a third and medium. They did a receiver reverse to Lorenzo West. The man strikes again. Uh, Northern Illinois transfer linebacker Drake Corn Brown had him. Missed the tackle. Lorenzo West got the first down. However, he would make, he would he would quickly uh, make amends for it as he recovered a fumble forced by Kalen Murray, which then allowed T.J. Roberts and, and this this play here, like like with T.J. Roberts, the whole the whole game you saw flashes like this. You saw why you highly regarded. You saw the explosiveness. You saw what made T.J. Roberts, T.J. Roberts. And in this 35-yard touchdown run, where he started inside, bounced outside, went to the sideline, cut back in, continued to cut back in, bounced to the outside, and outran the whole Pitt State defense for a beautiful touchdown to make it, at that point, a 13-point game with 8.29 left. So, again, we felt like there was plenty of time we needed to get a quick, a quick stop, and they did once again because Byron Burns, uh, the senior, the senior linebacker, forced the third fumble, uh, pretty much in a row. Uh, forced the third fumble. Stephon Starks, last chance you product, recovered it, set up an 18-yard touchdown pass to Dustin Boskis. So at that point, we're talking about a six-point game here. Four eleven left. So all we needed was a stop. You feel we get the stop here. The offense is hot right now. We scored two straight touchdowns. Uh, we scored 21. We scored three touchdowns so far in the second half. 
there was a legitimate chance here if we get a quick stop to get the ball they could take the lead and the defense said we would do one better because there was a fourth straight force fumble on a Bosch handoff that Dylan Hall, if you recall, uh, last year in the uh, upset over Northwest Missouri State, Dylan Hall made the tackle on the goal line stand to secure the win. He returned the fumble recovery for a touchdown to give show its first lead with 320 left in the game. Now, at that point, uh, the, the, the momentum was there. You had the feel. This could be an Angelo State Part 2 situation. Unfortunately, uh, Pitch State went on a beautifully executed drive. They got to the two-yard line, kicked the field goal as time expired, and escaped with a 37-35 win. Uh, now, in that thrilling second-half comeback, you know, it, it, it was, again, it was kind of one of those where... It, it, it was, it was, I mean, it was, it was exciting. It was thrilling. You were happy that there was a comeback, but at the same time, you, you couldn't overlook what that happened, what that basically masked. I mean, it, it, it masked an awful first half, another slow start, uh, and equivalently another loss in the season opener that we, that I think everybody on the program felt like was a winnable game. Should have been a winnable game. Should have been a win. Uh, and so when we got in the post-game press conference here with Coach Bobek, um, which I'll play his opening statement here in a couple in a, in a, in a couple seconds. Uh, the mood was not happy. The mood you could you could sense in Bobek's voice. He was disappointed, and this is what he had to say. Yeah, I mean it, the game comes down to you got to start. I mean, that's, that's the game of football. There's got to be four quarters played, and um, there's going to be a lot of people that want to say what could have, should have, would have, and all those type of things. But at the end of the day, you lost the game. And, um, you know, made some plays to get back in the football game. But um, when you start slow, you give up a give up opening kickoff for a touchdown, and uh, you turn the ball over in the first half. Um, on, a, on an easy read, um, we missed some reads um, in, in the first half, and I would feel like you could have maybe stopped some of the momentum. We didn't, we didn't play physical enough um, as a football team, and that, that was that was the issue on the kickoff return. It was the issue on not being able to get off the ball or off the field. I and mean, when you give up time of possessions, 37, 37 minutes to 22 minutes, it's hard to win that football game. Yes, yeah, so you so you you can tell by the tone of uh, uh, Coach Bobek's voice there that uh, he was not pleased. Now he brought up a couple of good points here. Uh, again, most notably the obvious here, which was the slow start. Um, I think that I think been the focus point here. Um, you could tell that was a, a sticking point. As a matter of fact, throughout most of the six-minute press conference, that was a recurring theme. Uh, a recurring word from him was talking about uh, starting fast. Uh, so you could tell that was a focus going in that was not met. The other thing he mentioned here um, was the time possession. The time possession, uh, Pitt State had the ball for 37 minutes and 10 seconds. You still had it for 22 minutes and 50 seconds. Now, he brought up when I, when James, uh, when James Jackson, the editor of the Vista, asked him about TJ Roberts. He had mentioned 
uh, that you know he got more reps than he than he was supposed to, you know. But when you only have the ball for 22 and a half minutes, it makes it tough. Uh, again, you know that that's that also hurts that number of just chances. Uh, if we even look at the plays ran, uh, Pitt State ran 23 more plays, 76 to 53. Uh, they had 26 first downs, 290 on the ground, 4.9 yards carry, three rushing touchdowns, and then passing the ball, they were uh, 11 to 17 for 144. Uh, and on third downs, on third downs here, if I can find it quickly, on um, third downs, they were 11 to 16 on one on fourth. So as coach alluded to. Uh, you got to get off the field on third downs. There were numerous third uh, third attempts here. There were some short ones, but there was a couple of 30 mediums. They were able to pick up running the ball, which is disheartening there. You would like to think you always going to force them to pass it uh, and had a chance at that point. But they went to the ground on multiple occasions and still picked it up. Uh, and then the, the, the couple of third and longs that, that, or that they were able to convert, you had that pass to Lorenzo West. Uh, but again, and especially as we'll see when we're talking about Kearney, um, they're going to face another option offense next week. So it is imperative that they do not, that, that they can get off the field here. Uh, and then in the red zone, pitch state was 4-4. Uh, UCO was 2-3. Um, so, you know, uh, again, if you, uh, you just gotta, you gotta start fast. If you still play the way they did in the second half, maybe in the first half, we'd be talking about a dominating win and all would be, would be well, but there's still the issue of, of slow starts. Um, you know, against, against Kearney, you know, I'm, I'm hoping that this changes. Um, I actually asked Coach, my final question to Coach, was about that Kearney game. I, I uh, before we played the clip here, I, I asked him, you know, I know you want to see a, a faster start against Kearney. Uh, how do you accomplish that? And this is what he told me. We got to have leadership in that locker room. I mean, coach-led football teams aren't great. I mean, they're good, but they're not great. And you can't be coaching them. You gotta have some players that step up and, and go. And that's as candid as I can be. I mean, we're talented. I mean, that's not hard to see. I mean, you, you, you see what happened in the second half of that game, but, you know, you, you, you gotta go play the game. It's gotta be played the correct way. Talent gets you in so far. And you just gotta go, you gotta be tough. And there's, there's gotta be a mentality. Um, you know, that's. That was the conversation we had after the game. So uh, you you could tell there from that from, from uh, that last statement that my head coach did Bobek I uh, was not too pleased by the leadership show, um, and and he said that he talked about it in the, in the locker room. Hopefully the leaders. Um, I'm going. I don't know for sure. I know the captains. There was O'Shea. There was Will Collins. Todd Stillwell. Uh, you have some guys there that have been in some battles. I'm hoping they will rally the troops. I'm hoping that the team as a whole here will, um, you know, will see the opportunity to miss. I mean, again, a win against Pitt State here set them up nicely. 
um, for a chance at a three and starter. You get past Kareem, and you have Lincoln, one of the lower teams uh, in the MIAA. Um, so you know, I, we're, we're going. We'll, we'll see. We'll see. I think. I think Kearney, Kearney honestly, uh, I don't want to say it's the biggest game of the season here, but I think it, it, the Kearney game will show a lot about this team because there is no doubt that both on paper and in the second half that this UCL team, it, 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 the, the, the talent is there. The talent is clearly there. I mean, you saw it. I mean, you don't just rattle off. 28 points and two quarters and almost pitch a shutout without any talent. I mean, I mean the, 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 the talent is there. I think the coaching is there. I think again here, if, if the leadership emerges, if, if, the, if, the, if the leaders that are, that are there can take charge, they can find a way to get off the quick start. I, this could be a very special year for the CEO. Now, all that being said, it's just game one. It's just game one. You know, so there's still 10 games to go. Now, again, Kearney. Kearney last week. Boop, 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 I hear the Kearney. Kearney beat uh, Missouri Southern 39-27. to 20, 27. Now, we all know Missouri Southern. Not cream of the crop. However, they do have a new coach again. Uh, Jeff Sales from Garden City. And they have a new quarterback in there as well. If you want to transfer, I will talk more about him when the time comes. But looking at that game, I mean, it was pretty much the opposite of the UCL game because uh, Kearney jumped out to a 33-6 first half lead and then was outscored 21-6 in the second half. Now, I'm talking about a team here that at least in, in game one, Got off to a fast start and faltered in the second in the uh, second half. Now that could bode well for UCL on many fronts. Here, one we've seen at least the past couple of seasons UCO was second half team. So you know if UCO again gets off to a slow start, then Kearney we've seen has done a at least through one game done a pretty shoddy job of protecting a, a lead. Now, at the same time here, this means that UCO can also remedy themselves, uh, come out angry, jump on Kearney, then it could get ugly because Kearney in the second half, now again, might because they had a few touchdown lead and they might have changed their play calling to, you know, be more conservative, running, running the clock here. Um, but again, that could be something too. Now, Kearney, you know, Kearney is an improved ball club from the team they placed two years ago. Now, last year, they had a new coach in his first season. As we know, in that game, uh, that was the home opener last year. Uh, the, the, uh, they opened the new performance center, which again is top of the line. Uh, and, you know, it, it was it, there was a downpour. I cannot make it to that game. I had to watch it on the MIAA network. And it was a reverse of the Pitt State game where the uh, where the offense struggled and the defense was top of the line and in the current game that the defense struggled but the offense didn't. And that was where Will Collins on that fourth down had Dustin Boskins open, but the current defender with a perfectly timed jump and deflection uh, sealed the 31 to 27 loss. So I, I now clearly clearly this usual team on paper is definitely better. 
Um, again, I might like to think here that um, that you know, with the with 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 the with the, with the way UCL played in the first half, they're gonna want to prove prove it uh, to themselves here that they that 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 they're better than that in the in the, in the first half. Um, and so it'll be interesting to see how they come out. I kind of want it. It's also a Thursday game because again, the MIAA mandate that every home opener is on is on a Thursday. So by the point, the first two games are on a Thursday. So I will be looking forward to watching that on the MIAA network. Um, the stats uh, for UCO against Penn State will Collins 14 of 24, one interception, two touchdowns, 212 yards, two sacks. Uh, also ran for uh, 32 yards or one touchdown on 10 carries. A leading rusher was TJ Roberts, nine carries, 79 yards, one touchdown, 8.8 yards carry. And then also led in receiving with four catches for, four, for 56 yards. Um, Josh Moore, three catches, 70 yards, one touchdown. Mikhail Hall, three catches, 30 yards. Dustin Boskis, two catches, 29 yards, one touchdown. Diego Richards, who actually, who actually looked fairly good in this uh, in this game, I definitely see the uh, see the, the speed there that uh, Bobek was high on when they signed him last season. He had one catch for 20 yards, and Amante Preach Phillips, uh, one catch for seven yards. He had a nice catch in double coverage. Uh, that was a contested catch along the sideline. Actually, that I mean, it was it was, it was nice. Uh, he just couldn't get a foot a foot in bound, unfortunately. But nonetheless, a nice catch there. Um, and then Chandler Garrett in his when his uh, Wild Bronco, as my man Peter Agnes called it, five carries, thirty-five yards. And then uh, Taj Griffin, the Oregon transfer, he 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 got four carries on on the second all in the second half of twenty yards. Uh, and then punting Jake Desco, three punts, hundred twenty-three yards, four forty-one yards average punt. Um, and then for Pitt State here, we're looking at rushing wise. Tyler Atkins, seventeen carries, seventy-nine yards, one touchdown. Uh, Brandon Malikas, 13 carries, 68 yards. Wilbur Cooper Jr., 12 carries, 50, uh, 43 yards, one touchdown. And then Tucker Horak, 6 carries, 22 yards, one touchdown. Receiving Lorenzo West, 4 catches, 72 yards. Um, so, you know, it, 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 um, that was the battle offensively, defensively. Byron Burns led UCO with 11 tackles, one for loss, one forced fumble. O'Shea Harris, all American safety, 10 tackles. And then my man Ja'Cory Hunt, also 10 tackles, one tackle for loss. Uh, Derek Shaw, the North Texas transfer, seven tackles. And then Jeremiah Hill, seven tackles. Uh, a lot of tackles across here that should tell you the beat rotation. Uh, this year, and there is a very deep rotation, um, so a depth should not be a uh, should, should not be be a problem. And then looking at the team stats here, right around the get out, UCO 
19 first down, six uh, six passing, uh, no, six rushing, 11 passing, two by two by penalty, 157 rushing yards, on 28 attempts, 5.6 yards of carry, two touchdowns. Um, passing yard 212, total offense 369 on 53 plays, and then penalties two for 26. Uh, they were let's see, four nine on third downs, over two on four, two and three in the red zone, um, and had 21 point on turnovers. So they they so they at least did win the turnover battle. Uh, which is huge because that that pretty much really helped contribute to the comeback. Uh, so those are the final num numbers there from the pitch stick. And looking at Kearney against Missouri Southern, Kearney had 23 first first downs, 302 rushing yards on 60 carries, five yards carry, uh, 190 passing yards, three touchdowns, 429. He total runs offense, 77 plays. Um, they had the ball for 40 minutes, which was the fifth most in the country. So, again, another run-heavy team here. Going to be crucial. You show gets off on third downs. They were 8 of 15 on third downs, 5 of 6 in the red zone, and had three sacks. I'm now looking at what they allowed to Missouri Southern. Uh, they allowed 19 first downs on the 59 rushing yards on 23 carries for 2.6 yards per carry. Um, 351 through the air. Now, they did have two interceptions, but allowed 351 and four touchdowns. Allowed 410 yards on 64 plays. Uh, they forced five punts. And let's see here. They held Missouri Southern... Time possession to 19 minutes and 58 seconds. So basically, they did exactly what Pitch State did. Um, they just took care of the ball better in the second half. Um, Missouri Southern was 6 of 14 on third downs, 0 of 2 on fourth. Um, so, again, as you can tell here, this is another team that runs a spread option. Uh, they are led by senior quarterback Alex McGinnis, 6'3, 220. Uh, was a very impressive 14 of 17 uh, for a buck 90 and three touchdowns. Also had 14 carries and 48 yards and one touchdown. So, um, I, I you know I that, that's really impressive for an option quarterback to throw that much. Now I know it's a spread option, but that's still impressive. So he can beat you with his arm. And his uh and, and his and his and his legs here. Um and then moving on here, they have a fairly deep backfield, a fairly deep backfield. Uh senior running running back Darius Webb, 5'9, 170, led with 17 carries for 99 yards. And then fellow registered senior David Goodwin, 5'10, 200, had nine carries for not for not for 98 yards, also led in receiving performances for 452 yards and one touchdown. Um, and then a backup quarterback, registered freshman TJ Davis, 6'3, 170, had eight carries for 55 yards and one touchdown, did not throw a pass. And in the spring game, had 14 carries for 95 yards and one touchdown. So, 
on the ground game uh, is indeed their strength. I mean, even when you look at, at, at receiving a running back was their leading receiver, and even their what, third string running back, uh, registered junior Dayton Seeley, 6'1", 205, had another receiving touchdown. Uh, so, you know, to me, it is a run-heavy offense here. Um, the running backs are going to be key. Now, the receiving court, not sure. Not sure. Um, it must not be too overwhelming because they did not do much against Missouri, against uh, Missouri Southern. And then defensively here, they are led by redshirt senior South South. Savio, 5'10", 205, he has seven tackles, two and a half for loss, one and a half sacks. Uh, senior end, uh, I hope I'm saying this man's name right here, Hemwaya Aliu, 6'5", 290, five tackles, one TFL, one sack. And then in the secondary, Redshirt Jr., uh, Blake, Blake, Babic 59180 and junior corner David Tolentino Jr. 511175 each had an interception and their kicker and punter senior Kendall Roshan averaged 37 yards per punt on seven punts. So um you know when we're looking at this here in Missouri Southern uh a, a team far less talented than UCO was able to throw for over 350 I would like to think, given the quarterback, Will Collins, the wide receiving core, Dustin Bosquez, Preach Phillips, Josh, Josh Moore, Mikhail Hall, Johnny Bazell, Diego Richards, Dawson Huddleston, uh, should be able to inflict some some damage there. And then on the ground, on the ground here, again, I'm telling you, you TJ Roberts, T.J. Roberts is the real deal. Now, Todd Griffin in, in those four carries, you also saw a very talent, talented player, player there as well. So, offensively here, um, especially if the if the line comes together the way they the way, the way they they did, I would say from mid third quarter on. Yeah, I, I would like to think there'd be some points being scored here. Now, defensively, defensively is, the, again, the main concern here. We have another option team. This time, it is out of a shotgun and pistol as opposed to the full to the qualified flex mode. Uh, but again, it's the same principles here. Um, you're going to have to, you know, play sound gap football, read your keys, Make open field tackles. Uh, I will say Jacari Hunt. Jacari Hunt, I thought I'm bringing them up a lot. Jacari Hunt. Uh, and Jacari Hunt and O'Shea. Uh, quite a few open field tackles. I was really impressed by them. O'Shea, especially uh, when they decided to go with the uh, with the option pitches. Uh, at times, he was kind of caught in no man's land. They were able to block the defensive end. And, and, and uh, I think O'Shea did, did, did a really good job of not not uh, committing to either the pitchman or the quarterback. Made some good plays there. So they're going to need that effort again. And then in the passing game, uh, I, w I will say in the passing game, Colby Underwood 
not his finest hour now. You know, uh, he he got he got that diamond catch by Renzo West. There was not much more the man could do there, but there were several other times uh, when they went to the air where Kobe was either caught uh, with his back turned to the play or uh, behind the wide receiver now, uh, you know, Kobe at 5'8", 5'9". Um, again, he, man had a good game against Missouri Southern last, I mean, against uh, Missouri Western last year, had that had the pick in the Indy Bowl game, so Kobe is need a quality corner. Uh, it was just, just a rough game for him. Now, now Dale Bauman, Dale Bauman was not actually half bad. Now, he actually had a chance on the final drive to get a pick and he dropped it, but I was impressed with the growth. Dale Bauman was another young guy and they started early last year. I was really impressed by him and Texas Tech transfer agent. Uh, Adrian Cross, uh, Kobe got dinged up a little bit there, and he came in and he had a nice game too, I believe. Um, he finished with three tackles uh, and and one one pass reception. So I, I was I was really impressed by the by, by him, by O'Shea, by Jakari, uh, Dale Bowman too. Um, so I, I feel like you're not. Uh, and again, there seems to be no Lorenzo West type player for Kearney, which is good. Um, so you know, I, I'm curious to see what happens here defensively. You know, uh, along the, the defensive line. I mean, it's tough. It, 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 it's tough when you when you go up against those flexible team and and the way that they block. Um, so they should be more custom, at least to the spread concepts here. Um, so I'm hoping that Stephon Starks, uh, KK, uh, Shaw, um, you know, all those guys, Richard Sear Jones, all those guys, you know, will, will have a bigger impact uh, against Kearney than they did against uh, uh, against Pitt State. And then linebacking core-wise, I mean, I, I, I have to give it to him here. If we want a silver lining on, on defense, I mean, Christian Malloy made a big-time film uh, recovery. Dylan Hall made a film, made a film recovery for a touchdown. Drake Brown had a film recovery. And then Byron Burns forced a fumble. So, the linebacking court here, I mean, he had a couple of telemetry tackles from, from Drake Brown, but aside from that, was was a very good game. Uh, you know, given the circumstances there. So, you know, I, I think that thing, there are some things to build off of here. I think that, again, this is disappointing because we have another game that you felt like should have been a win. That was not the case. But as I mentioned before, the season is young. It was only week one. There was nowhere to go but up here. So, um, they traveled to Kearney. There's a Thursday night game, 7 o'clock kickoff. I've been watching that game. I'm looking forward to seeing how how, how fast we start. Um, I know the last time we, they had a slow start against Missouri Southern, the, the next week against uh, Northeastern State, they came out and put the hammer down early. I would suspect the same thing would happen this time. Um, I think you see was too good of a team. I think that there's too good of leaders in the locker room. Um, to continue to let this trade happen, I, I think we have guys like O'Shea, Will Collins in there, uh, Tyler Stillwell, 
I think the the, the right the ship. I, I think we'll have. I think we'll come out there. I think we'll come out there focused. I, I hopefully they, they they come out there mad and they just take it to Kearney for an opening kickoff and, and we come here next next week every time they're talking about you know a, a massive blowout win and we saw improvements across the across the board because again as I mentioned mentioned here mentioned beforehand even if they can enter two and one against Northwest Missouri State on September 28th that would that would be huge now I did catch they had a replay of the Fort Hayes State to the Missouri game uh let me tell you Fort Hayes State for that Fort Hayes State did get upset uh, they were the number 11 team in the country they were upset by Central Missouri who scored a late touchdown uh, their 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 quarterback. Let me tell you, uh, the, the Mules quarterback is the real deal. But uh, so Fort Hayes is 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 beatable. Uh, now Fort Hayes is a very impressive football team, uh, in, at least offensively from a sign standpoint and from the county standpoint. Uh, so to me, it is crucial they win this game against Kearney. Um, if they take care of business next week, we'll be discuss Lincoln. Uh, the uh, newcomer to the conference, um, but uh, you know, so so as we wrap it up here uh, again, I, I really think that this is a game against Kearney. We'll see ECO come out. I, I think we'll see a full full quarter performance from them, and I think this is a game they could exercise. Some, you know, some of those early game demons kind of flex their muscles here, really just send the message, set the tone. For the rest of the season, that this is a new Broncos team, it's not the same Broncos team, you know. That, that this is a new team that gets off the faster stars and take care of their business, and they're forced to be to be reckoned with. And there's a legitimate playoff contender. So I'm looking forward to seeing what happens Thursday in Kearney, Nebraska. Uh, I hope you are too, and I hope you enjoyed this. Uh, enjoyed this 19th episode of the Show Podcast. So that means next week is the 20th episode. Time flies. Time flies. So um, I hope you enjoy. My name is Jonathan Goodo, a.k.a. J.G. Smooth, and I'll talk to you all later.